Hello, friends. We are back. It is the Disciple Henson Podcast, and I'm your host, Daniel Schreiner. Have you ever wanted to know what Henson thinks about alcohol or the lottery? Well, we've got just the program for you. Well, probably after this podcast, Michael will make this podcast the unofficial podcast of her church. The opinions expressed within this content are solely mine and Jeff Wilson Humes and do not reflect the opinions and beliefs of Henson Baptist Church or its affiliates. That's my disclaimer. Anyways, the topic today is watchfulness. How do we watch against the world, the flesh, and the devil? How do we stay on guard, stay alert? This is our ongoing series on sanctification. We're using Jerry Bridges' book, The Discipline of Grace, and the guest today is Jeff Wolstenhume, pastoral assistant, a former pastoral resident. So get to know Jeff and listen on the topic of watchfulness. Jeff Wollstonehume, welcome to the Disciple Henson Podcast. It's good to have you here. Thanks, Dan. You're wearing your black San Diego Padres hat. I am. Uh, the Padres are facing the New York Mets tonight, and Jacob deGrom versus Fernando Tatis Jr. Should be quite a battle. Well, I sure hope it's not that big of a battle. <laughs> well, enough about baseball. Jeff, how do you like being my pastoral assistant? <laughs> Your pastoral assistant, uh, it has been... I wanted to make myself sound more it, important. It has been a lot of fun. Uh, I, it's been a blessing to work with you and work this with is, all the guys in the office. This is your chance, Jeff, to tell the world to, for justice to be enacted. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, think the world, I think the world gets to see you uh, in, in all, all that you are. Well, you could say, you know, how I mis- maybe mistreated you, how I take advantage of your humble heart. Oh, man, you have been such a blessing to me and to my family. So this is not the place to do any of that. Okay. okay. <laughs> Jeff, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you come to Christ? Tell us about your family. Just give us a brief intro to who you are. Well, I grew up in Southern California. And uh, uh, like many Christians, I don't remember a time that I didn't believe. Always understood the gospel, uh, different points, different parts of my age. Uh, it wasn't always smooth sailing, definitely didn't walk faithfully for, for many years, but by God's grace in college, uh, really began to grow, really began to take walking with Christ seriously. Uh, I had people that were investing in my life, teaching me how to walk with God, which just helped me to better understand the gospel and how it has worked out in my life and, and how to grow in godliness. Um, reading scripture regularly and, and, and going before the Lord and committing to a church and just the things that normal Christians do uh, that was being taught to me. It was re- really an encouragement. So I met my wife uh, in college. We did college ministry together. Uh, actually, we... At so we, what college? At California Baptist University in Riverside, California. Uh, and, and part of our story is, is for the first couple of years of our friendship, we didn't get along very well. That's a story for another time. But year three... Do you get along better now? We (laughs) Much better now, thankfully. Uh, Around the third year that we were working together, the Lord was doing a lot of good work in our hearts, and uh, we started dating. About a year later, we got married, and a year after that, we had one kid. Now we're approaching the eighth year of marriage and the fourth kid. It's on the way. It's on the way, due October 7th. How did you find yourself here at Henson? So as I was doing college ministry, I felt like the Lord was moving me towards... Uh, pastoral ministry. I was talking to some pastors at my church and they were encouraging me in that direction. And so I started thinking through philosophy of ministry and I knew some guys that were involved in Nine Marks. A guy that discipled me was a, an elder at Nine Marks Church. That led me to uh, Capitol Hill's website. I applied for Capitol Hill's internship. Also saw that, that Henson offered an internship. 
that seemed like, you know, almost as good as Capitol Hills. So I applied for that internship as well. Came up, visited both of you guys and just really, really hit it off with Michael and with you and with Jeff. And I just thought Portland would be a great place to move my family. You ended up getting accepted to CHBC's uh, internship as well. I did. So you got accepted to both and you chose Henson over Capitol Hill Baptist Church. Because one of the associate pastors at Henson named Daniel Schreiner took me out to coffee on a Saturday morning and encouraged me with some wise words on how to think through making this decision, which helped me realize that, yeah, moving to Portland would be a great move for us. Uh, thank you. And enough being nice to me, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to have a hashtag take that dark mever, dark mever uh, moment. <laughs> Um, but I, I doubt he listens to this podcast. Um, uh, I think you call we're him glad Dark you Mever, by the way. Yeah, that's that's my uh, my little personal nickname for him. <laughs> <laughs> um, so okay, so you landed here. What year did you do the internship? 2017 with Austin Davis, uh, Bondi Kawamoto, and Stephen Brucker. Strong class. Strong class. And you have stuck around. You got a job at CentOS, and now you've been serving as a pastoral assistant for how long? Uh, almost two years. July 1st will be two years. And what are your responsibilities as a pastoral assistant? Well, uh, I get to hang out with the youth, middle school, high school, handle responsibilities with caring for them, recruiting teams, and, and uh, overall kind of leadership for the youth group alongside with Dizzy and other other leaders there, um, as well as I serve as Michael's uh, personal assistant. So I, I, I schedule flights and I meetings and um, just anything that Michael needs from me, I do for him. And then wherever I have time, I just try and help the rest of the staff. So and you do a great and, job. And Mark. Oh, thank you. Yep. Thank you. It's been fun. One of the things, Jeff, you and I do is not part of your job, but just in terms of accountability and seeking to encourage one another in the Lord as we ask how one another are doing in terms of fighting against sin and temptation. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what we kind of want to talk about today. Mm -hmm. So it's not going to be like a normal conversation when you and I talk about how we're doing in these areas, but just how to think about this biblically. Yeah. Um, so we both read chapter 12 of Jerry Bridges' book, The Discipline of Grace on Watchfulness. So that's what we're going to spend the rest of our time talking about, God willing. Um, sound good? That sounds great. All right. So uh, Jerry Bridges writes that many approach the Christian life with folly and irresponsibility uh, and a lack of watchfulness. Do you agree with Bridges? Yeah, I think so, because part of it is the world we live in. You know, we live in this um, kind of automated world, right? Our our spiritual lives uh, kind of go on autopilot. We have uh, our refrigerators run automatically, our alarm clocks. We have just things that we do every day. So I, I think it's easy for us to live in such a way that we just don't think about what we do day to day. We don't put a lot of thought into uh, what I'm doing for the next hour, what I'm doing for the next five minutes. And we get a lack of watchfulness also we could or or folly we could just call it laziness i think i think we tend towards laziness as and when we approach the spiritual life i can agree more now what are we what is it that why is that bad like if we're saved by grace mm -hmm. and uh we can rest in the finished work of christ mm -hmm. um what is it that we should be watchful for why is it is it bad to go on autopilot like who what is the enemy who is the enemy yeah well it's bad because while we are saved by grace we still live in this world you know we are still fighting against sin 
uh, and you asked who the enemy is. And well, the enemy is not just one. It's not just Satan that we often think about. It's also the world. It's the world we inhabit, the, the culture we live in. Um, uh, but then it's also the flesh. You know, it's our own propensity towards sin. So we, we are saved, but, and yet we, we sin every single day. And there's not a day that goes by that we don't sin. Uh, and, and I think that because we have, we tend to have strong categories for sin. So sin is this, sin is not this. As long as we feel like we're not doing this, then we're okay. But that's, that's just not reality because, because of the way, the world that we live in. Do we talk about sin too much at Henson? I don't. We talk we about can. sin more here than yeah. w- than you heard taught about sin at your last church, yeah. Yeah, I mean, certainly the church I came from wouldn't want to recognize sin, so y- they would talk about what we would see as sin, something like anger, sinful mm-hmm. anger. Mm-hmm. But we wouldn't. We it wouldn't have been categorized as sin. They would just be said, "Don't be angry." Um, so I, I think what we're trying to do is we're trying to increase people's sensitivities to what is sin and sin is so much more than the general categories that we give it so i kind of cut you off there we want to be watchful against you said the the deceitfulness or the allurement i guess Mm -hmm. of the world Mm -hmm. the world that we live in Mm -hmm. our own flesh Mm -hmm. any other things that we need to be watchful over well we need to be watchful for the devil you know first peter warns us that the devil is actually prowling around like a roaring lion. And, and, and what Peter says in the beginning of that is he says, keep alert, right? He, mm-hmm. He's saying, be watchful. Mm-hmm. Watch out for him because he is looking to consume you. Um, and I, I think we can forget that, that the enemy, that Satan, is patient. He's been doing this a long time, and he knows how to uh, you know, lure us in. Right? How, what are some of those ways that you found that the enemy seeks to lure us in? I think he tends to attack through our own inclinations. So mm-hmm. if we are someone who tends towards uh, laziness, then he's going to entice us towards giving into that even more. Uh, if we tend towards lust, he's going to look for the ways to really hit at that area of struggle. Um, I had a, a guy in college that really spent a lot of time with me. Uh, I remember talking to him about fighting lust and talking about how it, it's, so, it's discouraging because every time you seem like you're having victory, uh, there's something else. And he said, y- it never ends this temptation for, say, lust, but it changes. Hmm. So whatever your advice might be, it might change, but he's going to continue to try and tempt you and lure you in to give in to that temptation. It, it, but it might change. The older you get, the more mature you get. But he's he's cunning, so he continues to find new ways to tempt us. What about for for you, Jeff, as you consider the, the temptation um, towards towards sin that comes from the world, the flesh, and the devil. Uh, the Lord said in the garden to his disciples, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Um, how do you seek to do that? Well, I think two verses that were really helpful for me as a young Christian and continue to be helpful now, we're in 1 Corinthians 10, uh, verses 13 and 14, where Paul says, Therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed or, or watch, uh, lest he fall. And then he says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. With the temptation, he also provides the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So these verses 
they, they give us two things. One is that pride really does come before the fall, right? That, mm. that if you think you stand, be, beware, watch out, because you might fall. Uh, don't get overconfident. We are, we are never beyond falling to sin's temptation. But then there, Paul also offers encouragement on the other side of that, reminding us that even in temptation, God is faithful. He will always provide the way of escape. So, so we're not fundamentally victims to our sin. We, we choose to sin because we want to. But the promise that God has made in Scripture is that God always provides that way of escape. We can uh, run from it. God is, will not allow us to be tempted beyond our ability. What are some ways of escape that the Lord provides? Is it like when I was uh, seeking to uh, help my daughter last night who was crying, and so I immediately changed the subject mm. um, to uh, what flavor of cotton candy I was going to get her at a baseball <laughs> game and uh, helped her. It's a great that, parent trick. Is that how the Lord um, helps us as he provides some distraction? Like, oh, look over there. You don't need to sin. You, you, you right. have, uh, you know... I think that's how some people try to fight sin, is just distracting themselves mm-hmm. and looking at something else. Mm-hmm. But I think that the reminder is that God has given us the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. to to instruct us, to encourage us, to help us, uh, and that, that God's actually at work within us. So, so much of fighting sin may just be enduring the temptation. There's a, there's prayerfully, a, like, prayerfully, like Jesus says in the garden. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think Jesus' encouragement in the garden is is being watch out because there's a temptation to give in to sin's allurement to not keep watch and to use some maybe uh, a little bit of imagination here the disciples like say in the garden when they were sleepy um they could have used the fact that they were there together mm-hmm. to pray i know that's not the point of that text yeah uh, corporate prayer right. is not that <laughs> but um <laughs> but i mean practically speaking the, the Lord gives us one another, the mm-hmm. church. So certainly a means of endurance is, uh, you know, the, the accountability, the fellowship that we have with one another, that we're not meant to, to face this fight alone. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so if you, um, the, the first passage that you, you mentioned in, in first Corinthians, um, if, if we are, if, if one were to set up certain safeguards, um, and kind of protocols. Can we be confident that we won't fall into particular sins? You know, um, the it's. I'm thinking of like the Billy Graham slash the mm-hmm. Mike Pence rule that he would not meet with a woman. Either of those men wouldn't meet with a woman alone, so as not to fall into temptation. I guess right. was the suggested uh, reason for that. If if we set up enough kind of safeguards, right. can we be confident that we won't fall? Is that the is that the key of watchfulness? Right. Is what I'm getting at. No, it's not. Uh, I, the, they're helpful. Right? You, you, these rules, these things, like the Billy Graham rule, or um, other things that people use to have a, be a safeguard against sin, um, they're helpful. But if we depend upon man-made things, and we're we're still going to fall in man-made ways, hmm. uh, it's it's that uh, what we're reminded of often is that God has given us His Spirit. That the word to depend upon the Holy Spirit to help us. Uh, that ultimately, in our time of temptation, we're not accountable to uh, the Billy Graham rule. We're accountable to God, and, and He's the one that we're ultimately sinning against. He's the one that uh, we're reporting to, right? And so, we, we just we need to remember that safeguards are good. We should not discourage people from having safeguards. But if you depend upon them, then you're going to fall by them. 
I like how you put that. That's, and I think that's true. I think the the temptation can be to to uh, put our confidence in that rule that we have set up, and then you know we're not putting our trust ultimately in the Lord. Mm-hmm. And then there's the, the the pride of you know thinking I can do it. I've set these rules in place. So then you fall into the sin of pride. Just mm-hmm. fall. You're kind of trading one sin for another. Yeah. Um, and also, I don't know if this has been your experience, certainly my own experiences that I talk to, particularly brothers in the congregation, um, the devil's really cunning. Mm-hmm. So our boundaries, so to speak, like, uh, you know, you think of a, a couple who's dating mm-hmm. and they have these boundaries. So often those boundaries don't work, no. you know, because our sin, like you said, the devil's like a roaring lion. He's prowling around looking for an opportunity. Uh, we are really good at rationalizing and minimizing sin and doing what we uh, want to do in our flesh. Yeah. Yeah, and so um, I'm, we, we in no way want to argue that you should not have safeguards. I think it's often mm-hmm. wise for a brother who's struggling with or, you know, uh, someone who's struggling with pornography to trade in their smartphone for a dumb phone mm-hmm. for a season or to have uh, covenant eyes on their computer and devices. Some of these safeguards are really helpful. Yeah. And and that's just over the sin of, of lust on screens. Yeah. But what about when you like walk out into the world yeah. on a summer day right. or um, yeah, just, you know, the, our, our flesh is very deceitful. It is. Um, so as we think about watchfulness, I think we all too often, we fall off one end of the spectrum, um, in terms of, uh, legalism and license. And that's something that we've kind of talked about quite a bit on this podcast when it comes to sanctification, mm-hmm. we have a hard time understanding the, the balance uh, between legalism and license and what it looks like to live by the discipline of grace. So I thought two quotes came to mind. And I want, I want to get your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Martin Luther said, sin boldly. You know that quote? Have you heard that before? Yep. yep. Okay. And then um, an unknown person said that Jerry Bridges quotes in the chapter, he that despises little things shall fall little by little. So and how do you think, um, how do you think about, you know, the tender conscience or how do you seek to balance a tender conscience versus an overly sensitive conscience? Because we want to have tender consciences mm-hmm. before the Lord. Um, and yet sometimes, I mean, I thought Liz Moody in a, in a previous mm-hmm. podcast did a great job talking about um, how your uh, one's conscience beca- can become overly sensitive yeah. and kind of living living by law. So how, how do we seek to balance these ideas? Yeah, I, I think... It- it's hard because we live, um, it's two realities. You know, we're, we're commanded um, to be holy for, for I'm holy about the Lord, which would call us to live lives restricting or res- resisting sin. But we're also told that those who are in Christ are a new creation. You know, we're told it's God who's working in us both to will and to work for his good purpose. You know, so we're given the imperative, be holy. Uh, but then we're also given the indicative. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. So, you know, what, what do we do? We, we strive against sin. Uh, we fight hard, but we recognize that, you know, no matter how victorious we are, we're, we're always going to remain sinners in this life. Yeah, so I, I think we've, we're fighting against it, recognizing that God has called us to holiness, but remembering that even, even amidst failing, which we will continue to fail, we remain new creations in Christ, and God is still doing a good work within us, that he is still carrying us on and keeping us in him. Uh, so we're called not to just sin 
you know, what, what, what Luther is saying, which is sin boldly, remembering that, you know, grace abounds. And in, in the understanding of that is knowing that you have been saved. So you, when you do sin, remember, no matter what happens, you've been saved. But then we're also called to, to be careful about the little things. Don't allow the little things to destroy you. Um, so I think, I think that's one of the ways we do it. You know, sin will be wiped away, but it's not right now. Have you ever struggled with what you feel is an overly sensitive conscience, personally? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's hard not to. Hmm. It's hard not to because it's uh, it's a lot easier to legislate morality than mm-hmm. it is to live in a kind of a blurred lines. Like, I, you know, I want to know what's the line, right? When have I sinned and when have I not sinned? Mm-hmm. But the reality is it's it's far different than that, right? I can't draw lines around it. It's, it's uh, someone has said, uh, you know, even the thought of sinning is sin, right? Like, I mean, there's even like the thought of lusting is sinful, right? So it, it, we, we just, we can't legislate it. We can't draw lines around it. Um, so I've certainly struggled at times with having an overly sensitive conscience. Um, and that's, that's part of, working things out in community, why it's mm. so important to not try and work this out on my own, but actually mm. to, to talk to brothers in the church, guys who are further ahead of me, who have thought these things through. Um, it's why it's important to read good books as um, people who think about these topics, uh, because recognizing I, I've not figured this all out, but others have gone before me that have thought through this and have worked through some of these more difficult questions. That's good. I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you think Henson struggles more with legalism or license? I just think it depends who you talk to. But from your perspective, as you came in, Mm -hmm. you said, what was it, three years ago? Four years ago. Four years ago. Um, And from from your background and your own walk with the Lord, you arrive at Henson. Did you see a church that was erring more on the side of license or erring on the side of of legalism? You don't have to choose. I'm not not trying to force you into one, but talk talk about that. You know, I'm often accused of being black and white, uh, and, and yet I can't make a, a one side i think it just what what i found is there is both there is a licentiousness but then there is sometimes a or, or a, i should say more temptation towards license more freedom uh but then sometimes what was happening is there was actually a little bit more legalism even around that so for example i i'm a teetotaler uh, what does that mean? Means I don't drink and I don't totally? smoke. I okay. love tea. Okay, <laughs> but don't have to be a teetotaler and love tea. Uh, so I don't drink. And I don't. I don't smoke uh, cigars or anything. Uh, and and what off sometimes actually I felt coming into groups that were partaking that did feel the freedom to drink that I was actually being judged for not doing it. Hmm. Uh, now that's my own conscience, right? There's some of the sensitivities. But realizing, or your own fear of man, or my own fear of man. uh, But actually realizing, oh, there's now I'm dealing with a different side of of the freedoms that we have in Christ, Um, and and so I, I, yeah, I I think I think it just depends on on who you're talking to. So that's that's a helpful grid, Um, and I appreciate you sharing the the issue of alcohol. Help help me think about um, Christian liberty Mm -hmm. and. and the, just the grid in terms of how you think through an issue like that. You don't have to just focus in mm-hmm. on the alcohol issue. But obviously the Bible doesn't say, thou shalt not drink. Mm-hmm. We, we have, it, it's Jesus 
drank wine. Yeah. Um, he performed a miracle that produced a lot of wine mm-hmm. that made people very merry. Um, but uh, you you have decided in your own conscience mm-hmm. not to drink, uh, at least for this season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how did, are there any scriptures that you go to or any principles mm-hmm. of, of Christian living as you think through that issue or other issues where you have, yeah. you have, you certainly have freedom to drink. You're not under any contract yeah. here at some churches have this, some denominations yeah. have this, that there will be a contract. I went to an institution that had a contract for so students, um, but you're not under that um, law right mm-hmm. now. You have freedom. So, so talk about that. Any, any principles or scriptures that, you, that come to mind? Yeah, I think this goes back to our tendency to want to draw lines, right? So we want to, uh, this is the, the black and white tendency. We want to say drinking is good, drinking is bad. But for my wife and I, it's, it just is. Drinking is a good thing, it, it, but it is not something that is required of me. So, so I, what I depend on is, is my, my freedom to not drink, that I don't actually have to. Uh, but what that also does is it means that I, I have no judgment towards those who do. So my freedom is for me not to, and also it's the freedom of others to partake in it. Uh, and, and, and with the category of watchfulness, where both sides have to be careful, is recognizing that I am no more righteous for not drinking, and others are no more righteous for drinking. Right? It's, it actually is a neutral topic that we have the freedom to partake in or not. That's really helpful. Now you referenced First Corinthians earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, First Corinthians six twelve says everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. It goes on to say, food is for the stomach, and the stomach for food, and God will do away with both of them. However, the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And then he goes on to say in First Corinthians ten twenty three, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Um, not everything builds up. No one is to seek his own good, but the good of the other person. Mm-hmm. And uh, you and I have both read uh, Andy Nacelli's mm-hmm. book uh, on the conscience. Um, has that been, you know, has thinking through those issues of conscience and what's beneficial for your own spiritual life, um, not seek, not wanting to be mastered by mm-hmm. things, does that help you make discernments on things that the scripture maybe doesn't speak to specifically? Mm-hmm. Um does that help you in your own watchfulness, some of those uh, scriptural principles? Yeah. I, I, well, well, one of the really helpful aspects of thinking through Christian freedom and the conscience is one of the more influential, influential parts of scripture is Romans 14, when we think about the conscience and, and whatever's not done in faith is sin, which people often refer to thinking about their conscience and what it allows them to do and allows them not to do. And recognizing that at times my conscience may just misunderstand the issue. So let's just go back to the drinking one. For a while, I thought I didn't drink because nobody should. I just thought no Christian should. And and I struggled with not being judgmental towards those who did. But it was God's grace over time to, to actually inform me and teach me, no, that, that's a, a decision that you've personally made that others have the freedom to make. Um, and so I think that's where the, the conscience and help... Uh, teaching it that there's a lot of freedoms in Christ um, and individual Christians may be able to exercise certain things that others may not. Um, and, and just recognizing that, that the conscience is not the uh, trump card. It doesn't make the decisions for everything. It actually sometimes just needs to be taught how to think. 
That's really helpful. That makes me uh, think of a conversation that I had with my wife, Ashley, uh, because I don't know if you remember this, but in the sermon that I preached on Psalm 120, as I was talking about the anatomy of deceit, I, I gave several examples of the did the did the um, did God really say? Mm. And one of the examples I gave is did God really say that you shouldn't buy the lottery ticket? Mm-hmm. Now I didn't say that buying a lottery ticket is a sin. Mm-hmm. Um, however, in my conscience currently, I haven't always felt this way, and I'm not like this is not a hill I would die on. But I I think that buying a lottery ticket or certainly participating in the lottery, I feel that would be wrong for me to do mm-hmm. because I think it's uh, it's an evil institution mm-hmm. and I think it's uh, the lottery and I think it's a tax on the poor. So I think we're heaping up burdens on the poor um, as people who have uh, disposable income. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ashley, Ashley was able to challenge me in some ways that this is this is my own, you know, part of my conscience, mm-hmm. and I I need to be careful, um, and how I talk about that with other Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that do you, sorry, do you have yeah, a, yeah. anything well, I to think, say there? I think that uh, you know we, we've gotten into a discussion about the conscience, and I think for people wondering, how, what does that have to do with watchfulness? I think this is exactly what has to do with watchfulness, is that we're trying to discuss what does it mean to live as a Christian in this world? What does it mean to exercise Christian freedom? Um, and your discussion about the lottery is asking that question, which which for a lot of people, it's just they don't think about it. Of course I can buy a lottery ticket. I've got the money to buy it. What's wrong with that? The mm-hmm. state has provided it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can go to the casino. And, and I'm not here to, to answer yes or no on that, but... But I think having the discussion and being able to talk about it with other Christians and being able to think through it and understand that we actually should be approaching life in this way where we're asking questions about what we're doing and, and not just doing things because the culture accepts it. The mm-hmm. culture accepts mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that I reject. Right. And that, that I don't think that Christians should take part of. Right. Um, but we have to be able to have that conversation. That's really, yeah, that's good. Okay, Jeff, final question. Mm-hmm. Um what is the best defense against the enemy? And I'm not just thinking Satan, but the yeah. world, the flesh, and the devil, the unholy trinity. Um, how do we, we've talked about being watchful. Yeah. We thought about community. Um, we thought about, you know, enduring tr- uh, temptation in the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. But any other, uh, any other things that you would take us to as we think about defending ourselves against these fiery darts that come at us? You know, if we talk about sin a lot at Henson, we also counter that with the gospel every single week. A reminder that who we are in Christ dictates everything. Because no matter how careful we try to be, no matter how vigilant we try to be, we're going to continue sinning. We're going to continue to fail. We're going to continue to do the things we don't want to do we are not going to be liberated from sin until the Lord liberates us from this earth and gives us new bodies. So I I think we have to remember we should strive after holiness, but no matter how hard we strive, uh, we're going to fail. And yet Christ has loved us. He died for us. He died for all those sins that we're going to commit. They're already paid for. And so, so we work hard because we love God, and yet we rest knowing that he has saved us. 
He has made us new. Amen. That's a great place to conclude. I would, just because it's on my mind from the sermon on Psalm 120 in terms of fighting against uh, the lies and the deceit, um, the, the one of the means that God has given us to remember that gospel is his word. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, sometimes the best defense against the enemy is a good offense. Mm-hmm. And we see how the Psalms begin, Psalm 1-2, uh, the one who meditates on God's word day and night is like a tree that flourishes, praying continually in the spirit. First Corinthians, First Thessalonians five seventeen. Um, we have all of Psalm one nineteen to remind us of the goodness of God's word, in which we know the gospel. Um, uh, Jeff, anything else that you want to share about watchfulness, or anything you want to say to the church? Um, one last thing is what one of the things that I, I think we need to work hard at is being willing to suffer in our sin uh, and suffer in temptation. Uh, we are going to be tempted to do a lot of things that we have to be willing to just endure uh, because it is hard to persevere in this world. Uh, but God has called us to suffer. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Although I don't know if I want to say amen to that, but no. I know I know it's true. Yeah. So Jeff, you've been great. Thanks so much for coming on the Disciple Henson podcast. Thanks for having me.